Well, here we are now in the new year, 2021, and what a joy to come to you. I, I'm so grateful for our Toronto church family and uh, how you stood with us together, how we stood together, I should say, all of last year, and then also our family around the world that are watching. I see the prayer requests coming in from Toronto and also from around the world, and we know that God is for you. Uh, and, and so uh, today, let's just pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love touching every person. I thank you that something powerful be released in our spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I asked the Lord, I do this regularly, what, what do you want me to teach on? What, does, what, what do the people of God need to hear right now? And in my spirit, I felt the Lord say, begin to teach on faith. People are going to need to exercise the gift of faith in this new year, maybe like they haven't for a while. You know, the only time that you see Jesus a little bit irritated with the disciples is when he says to them, where is your faith? How long do I have to be with you? Uh, other times Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain and that mountain will be removed. So I think anyone who is, uh, is a believer in Jesus Christ, anyone who has accepted Christ will say, well, I, I want faith. I want that mountain moving uh, faith. And so if we speak of faith in different ways. Sometimes people say, well, I have my faith. Or we might say to some, what faith are you? So sometimes... Uh, the word faith just references a religion, a, a belief system. Uh, and, and so you can even see in Scripture, for example, in, in uh, 1 Timothy 5, 8, uh, it says about somebody who obviously had a belief system but, but wasn't acting on it, that, that he has denied the faith meaning that it was just a mental belief system, but he didn't act on it. Paul says in 2 Timothy, I have kept the faith. And I think he's speaking there of, of this awesome commission he received from God. He says, I have run with it. I have kept it. I have stuck with it. You know, to some people, faith is like a, it's like a feeling. If they feel something, then they say, oh, I must have faith right now. But I would submit to you that faith is something different. Others think that faith is just a mere intellectual commitment to a theology. But the way I'm teaching on faith today, and it may relate to all those things, but I'm teaching about it as a mighty force, as a gift given to you from God. So I'm asking, answering the question today, what is faith? Well, Number one, faith is a gift from God. Here's a powerful scripture verse, uh, Ephesians 2. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no man can boast. Well, here you have the combination of grace and faith. Grace is what God has done for everyone through Jesus Christ. And faith is this it, this, this, this powerful 
inner conviction that makes you reach into the warehouse of everything God has provided and take from that warehouse everything that God has provided for you. And it makes it so clear that not only is grace not of ourselves, but faith is not of ourselves. The whole operation of grace and faith is not of ourselves. We can't boast in it. We can't brag on it. It's a gift from God. Let me read another verse here. And Simon Peter talked about this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is amazing. You know, we look at Simon Peter as a person of great faith. He was a leader in the church. And, you know, his his shadow fell on the sick and they were healed. We read in the book of Acts, he, he did walk on the water. Yes, he sank for a while, but he walked on the water. So in our mind, we have, we have Simon Peter way up there. You know, he, he, he had a faith in Jesus that was so alive, nothing like what you and I could ever have, you might think. But here he says the very opposite. says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. He's not saying my faith is greater than yours. He's saying you have, you have the same faith. And then he makes it clear how people receive faith. He's not saying it's because of your hard labor and because of your diligence. He says, no, you receive that by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when you received, uh, which is salvation, when you were born again, you could say, you received Christ's righteousness. I'm not trusting in my own righteousness. I'm trusting in what Christ has done for me. When that happened, there was a byproduct that came with the package. You received the same faith that Simon Peter had. Paul talks about the same thing, and I love the way the King James Version. I don't always read the King James Version because sometimes the King James Bible has such old language. You know, I, I just kind of want to update it a little bit, but the King James Version uh, of the Bible really got this right. It says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it, some translations say, I live by the faith uh, 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 in the Son of God. And of course, it's powerful to have faith in the Son of God. But in the context of the book of Galatians, the word in doesn't make sense there. That's why I quote the King James. It says, of the Son of God. Because the whole idea is, I have been crucified with Christ. I am I'm intertwined with the Christ. It's no longer I who live, but he lives in me. So it makes sense. It is the faith of the Son of God. Let me, let me read more here. And, he, and this is so powerful in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. And, and I, I just got a comment as we read this. He says here, before faith came. Before. So that means that was a time when faith hasn't come yet. But you say, well, I thought faith was always here because doesn't it say that by faith the worlds were made? So what is Paul talking about? He's talking about the new covenant faith, the faith that is readily available to everyone. You see, the people who lived before Christ, they had a certain kind of a faith. They had a looking forward to something. They were hoping and they were looking forward. And, 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 and the, the, the Bible says that that faith was accounted to them for righteousness. But after Jesus rose from the dead, there's a new kind of faith. The, the old one is now obsolete. There's a new kind of faith. It's a new covenant faith where we, we're not looking forward, but we see what Christ has already done for us. And, and so before that faith came, he says here, 
I'm back to the verse now. We were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. See, notice the timeline, before and afterward. So before this new covenant faith before came, before Jesus rose from the dead, before that, then he says, you were under this religious system called the law of Moses. But afterward, afterward, there's something new that's come. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Some translations probably better say it, our tutor until Christ. So it's not like today that the law of Moses brings people to Christ today because that would only be applicable to, I suppose, Orthodox Jewish people and maybe some Christians uh, raised, you know, uh, studying the law of Moses. But for the world at large, that would have no relevance. No, it's speaking about until Christ came 2,000 years ago. The law was the tutor for the people of Israel until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. And if you wonder if I translated that or interpreted that the right way, then look at the next sentence. After faith has come, we are no longer under, tu under a tutor. So faith came. Faith came with Jesus Christ. He is the author and finisher of faith. And so you are all the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, I could tell you, this is something we could study in depth. And in, you almost got to come to our Bible school and I would give you the full dissertation of that, uh, be, how the situation was before faith, this, this new covenant faith, this, this faith that says, I have it, it's mine. Christ has already done something for me versus that looking forward to faith, which, which was good back then, but it's not the faith we have today. Now we have this new faith in Jesus Christ. We confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead. And so uh, you, you see the timeline here, that faith is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. One other verse that just shows this, it says, think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. And again, I'm reading from the King James. Some say a measure of faith, but that's not what you really get out of the scripture. It is the measure of faith. You see, if it said God has given to everyone a measure of faith, you might think, well, you know, I don't have faith like Simon Peter or the Apostle Paul. You may even say, I don't have faith like Peter Youngren does. You may, you might assess that, though that would be an erroneous assessment. And you would think, well, my, I just got a tiny measure. Others have got a, a bigger measure. No, the correct way of reading that is, God has given to each person the measure of faith. What is the measure? It is the faith of Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, think soberly. See, some folks think that, that faith is some emotion, some hype. You hype people up into an emotional frenzy. But, but here it says, faith is not an emotional hyperactivity. It is sober thinking, sober calculation. I want us to, so, so some people, I heard somebody say one time, well, you know, have faith, just take a leap into the dark. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound very attractive to me to leap into the dark. I want to leap into the light. Uh, but people have that idea. No, faith is sober thinking. I put the equation there. I put it, you can see it on your screen, needs plus negative circumstances plus God's provision 
is victory. That, that's a sober thinking. You say, well, well these are, are the needs. Here, here's the situation I'm facing. And then you might add to that, oh, these are the negative circumstances. This is, this is what the people are saying. This is my emotions. This is what I'm thinking. But then I'm going to add to the needs and the negative circumstances God's provision. And I begin to think about how big is God's provision? I'm going to think about that at home. How big in the light of the needs you have and in the light of the contrary or negative circumstances that speak defeatism to you, then how big is God's provision? What has God done for you in Christ Jesus? That, I know you're thinking soberly. And you'll come to the conclusion that what God has done is bigger than my negative circumstances. What God has done through Jesus Christ, it is bigger than my need. And what is the end result of that? Victory. In Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you, faith is not a struggle to believe something. It is a recognition of the provision of God. So, so faith is a gift from God. Faith is a law, not, not a religious law, as the law of Moses was, but it is a law in a certain way. Let, let's read it first. Romans 3:27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. You see that? When it comes to this faith life, believing God, there is no boasting. It is excluded. By what law? Of works? <laughs> Obviously not. Because if, if, if it was our effort and our works, we, we would boast. Boasting wouldn't be excluded. But it says, by the law of faith. So faith is very much like a natural law. You know, there are different laws of nature. You could say that a law here is a fixed regulation. It works exactly the same every time. For example, the law of gravity, maybe the most well-known law of nature, the law of aerodynamics, it, it works exactly the same way. And I want you to show you something here that non-use of a law, I'm talking about these laws of nature, does not cancel that law. Just because you never got on an airplane that uses the law of aerodynamics doesn't mean that the law of aerodynamics doesn't exist. There may be laws of nature that scientists are digging into and discovering how to use those laws, and you may not make those available for yourself, but the law is still there. That's the same with faith. You could just be a person who say, well, I'm not going to believe God for much. I'm just hoping to go to heaven when I die and I'll be good. Enough. Well, you know, that, that doesn't mean that because God will, will accept you and receive you because of Jesus, but that doesn't mean that all your life it wasn't there. The law of faith that you could have activated, it was there. So it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's a fixed working regulation. I put something else here. Science does not invent laws of nature, but taps into existing laws. Whatever discoveries, we talk about a lot about artificial intelligence now. We have certain kind of lighting, we have all these different things. We're talking about airplanes already. All those laws that make those, those things work, they were there all along. They were there for Adam and Eve, if you wish. They were there from the beginning of time. And so I, I put here, a law of faith is available to be activated. Oh, this makes me happy. 
that there is a faith that God has given to me. Now, I could be ignorant of that. I could act like I could just be so wrapped up in my emotions to say, oh, I don't feel like I have faith. I don't feel like I, you know, and I could get caught up in all that emotional realm. But what an assurance I have to know this, that God has given me faith. And faith is not dependent on my emotions, how I feel, uh, my circumstances. It is a law. Oh, this is powerful. I hope you get this in your heart. It is a law that is available. It's there to be used at any time I want it. Just like you say, anytime I want it, I could get on an airplane and I could activate the usage of the law of aerodynamics. So the law of faith is there. And I'll tell you in 2021, I want to be a heavy user. I'm a heavy user of the law of faith. You could say that this faith is like a password that opens up to, to God's kingdom, to God's resources, to God's purposes. You know, certain things you can only access. And if you ever forget your password, you know, you, you, you get frustrated. You say, I got to find a way to reset my password. Well, uh, you see, faith is that password into God's resources, into God's purpose. I love that word purpose. Think about God's purpose for you. Let me give you a few examples. God's purpose is abundance, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God's purpose is not just to take you to heaven, but heaven coming down to where you are. Heaven's resources being where you are. Uh, God's purpose is, is, is that, that those who know God would do exploits. That's God's purposes for this ministry, World Impact Ministries, the, International Celebration Church here uh, and wherever you are, God's purposes in 2021 is exploits. The gospel to the whole wide world. And I like that. So faith is a law. Do you see that? Then I give you one more point here. Faith is the evidence of invisible realities. Think about that. There are some realities that are invisible, particularly maybe invisible to you. Because when you look at your surroundings, your situation, you will say, I don't see that reality. Maybe you see a very negative reality. Let's read here, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, of, thing, of things, things not seen. I want to read that from the Amplified Bible because it, it spells it out so beautifully. So let's go there. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I think you can agree with me. There's a lot to digest in that one verse. And so let me just break it down. Some of the words there. Here it says, faith is a substance. I like that. That means it's tangible. There's a presence to it. It's not, it's not a flimsy um, thought merely or an idea or a concept. It, it has, it's sub substantive. Oh, that's powerful. Then it says, faith is evidence. Evidence means that 
Well, there are several things you could you could attribute the word how the word evidence is used. First of all, you think of a court case where a person brings testimony, brings evidence. They are a witness, and so uh, there is one aspect of faith. But there are people able to come and say, "Let me tell you what the faith of Jesus Christ working in me has done for me." I'm one of those. I, I can tell you things. And, I practice this. See, what I'm telling you today, what I'm teaching you is something that I practice. Because sometimes I could be in a, in a big meeting somewhere in the world and, and I could see all kinds of negative circumstances. There may be all kinds of struggles. I may have financial. Sometimes we've had great financial needs. Sometimes there's been other discouraging circumstances. Sometimes there's been political opposition, especially when we are in areas where sometimes there's been hostility against the gospel. And so this thing I'm teaching you, that faith is a law. I practice that. Because in my five senses, I don't feel anything, but there is evidence. And I'm giving my evidence that in that situation, when I say, Lord, I am trusting you, that faith is a law that works as a fixed regulation. <laughs> Anytime we activate it, I found it to work. And then, of course, um, evidence, you speak of the evidence available, the available body of facts and that's the, it talks about that in the scripture, you know, the cloud of witnesses who are there bearing witness. Then, then another word here in, in Hebrews 11, one is the word assurance. It's something we say, I give you my assurance. I assure you. So that, that word speaks of a, of a positive declaration. Of, uh, to, to give people confidence. And so uh, that's an integral part of faith. I, I believe, therefore I speak. I, I, I assure you. I, and, and, and there's two parts of it. God has assured us through Jesus Christ and through his written word. And then we declare. And then, then in other words, confirmation. You know, in the parts of the Christian church, many parts of the Christian church, there's something that when you're about 13 years old, you get, go for confirmation. Some, some places you go through a, a you, you know, a study program in, in the Jewish religion, they had the bar mitzvah. And so we have confirmations uh, and, and, and people study and they have to answer the questions and then they are confirmed as an adult. It means it's a fact. It's, it's there. The, the word used is with title deed. You know, if you ever bought a house, you know that you get a title deed or a, or a condominium. That, that This is proof. This is a document that proves your ownership. Do you see how all these definitions here used in Hebrews 11.1 1 is anything but flimsy? People go back to that again. Faith is a, uh, is, is a leap into the dark. No, no, it's not. It's a title deal. deed. I got it. It's mine. It's ownership. Proof was another word used here. Proof. It's similar to evidence, but I say it's stronger. We have proof. That means we have arguments on real fact of what God has done. It's a conviction. I love that word conviction. A conviction is something that's firmly held. It's an inner certainty. I know that I know that I know in whom I have believed and I'm, I know that he's able, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has committed to me until that day. So, so conviction is, again, it's factual. 
Now, there can be emotions involved. I'm certainly not against emotions. Don't read that into what I'm saying. But it's not this hyper-emotional activity where you kind of have to work yourself into a frenzy and say, well, oh, now I feel it. No, no. It's, it's, it's not flippant. It's not blindly hopeful. It's an assurance. It's a, it's a factual assessment. Let me go back to that little equation I gave you earlier. Here's an abbreviated versus needs plus resources plus God. Leave it there for a while. Needs plus resources plus God. That's another way to look at it. A factual assessment. Say, what are the needs? What, what, what looks, you know, where does it look like I have a need right now? And then you say, what are the resources? You know, for example, if you have $50,000 in the bank and you got an invoice for $50, well, you just pay it. Is that right? You just pay it. You don't need to worry about it anymore. You have the resources. Or, or if you have a little headache, I suppose you can believe God or you can take an aspirin. But <laughs> if you're living in a country where there are no aspirins, well, then, then you don't have that resource. So I, I think it's better to go to God, but I'm just saying you look at the need and you look at the resources you have. And many times in life you come up against a wall where you say, well, I have this need. Maybe you feel that way right now in the beginning of this year. I have a need. And then you look at your resources and you say, I don't think my resources are in proportion to the need. But then you add to the equation, God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how the disciples looked at it when they said, when they found the boy with the lunch basket, they said, well, he's got five bread and two fish. But what is that for so many? I mean, the need is so many that need help. Our resource is five bread and two fish. <laughs> you see? So they say, well, it just doesn't connect. Maybe that's how you feel. You say, I see the need and I look at my resources, but then you add God to it. That means when I say God there, I mean what God has provided, what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so when you see that lack of resource, how do we respond? Let, let me break it down. I put three little statements. I hope they put them on together there. Uh, it, it says God can provide, God will provide, and God has provided. You know, this is how people look at this. Some people say, well, you know, God can provide. God can do it. You know, the Bible says even the devil knows that God can do it, and he trembles at the thought of it. So that's not really what we call it, the new covenant faith that God can do it. Others would say God will provide. Well, that's nice, but it still is that kind of future thing. I'm looking to the future. God will someday. It's kind of, that, that's the realm of hope, uh, where I'm hoping for something to happen. But, but the new covenant faith is the last of those three statements. God has provided. I have, he has provided. I may not see it yet. I may not have experience yet. But God in Jesus Christ has provided. And I'm telling you, I'm practicing this myself. I'm asking everyone who hears this teaching and who is in any way, if I'm speaking into your life, let 2021 be the year when you say God has provided. I have, and he's provided things. Things could be protection. It could be a job. It could be finances. It could be healing. It could be something concerning your family. It could be some other area of purpose in your life. And so have a sober reliance, an inner conviction 
that what God has provided through Jesus is mine. I'm, I'm hurrying here. Faith is a force now. Now faith is. Not just that God will be and God was, God is. You see, faith, hope can be something very objective. So saying, I, I hope the sun will shine. Well, one day it will. You know, I can promise you, and it is always shining behind the clouds. But faith is another kind of force. I think final scripture here, 1 John 5. The word faith doesn't appear in that verse, but I think it's there. This is the confidence that we have in him, in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know, we have an inner conviction that we have the petitions we have asked of him. We have it. It's ours. So I'm asking you today to flex your faith muscle. If you're willing, God gives you the faith to come to Jesus. Maybe you say, I don't, I'm not a believer. Well, God will give you the faith if you're willing. 